Well, praise the Lord. We're so good to be with you, to hear to worship the Lord with you, and to honour his name. It's very important that when we come to the word of God that we realise that Jesus walks through all the pages of the word of God. From Genesis to Revelations, it's all about the great inhabitants of the house, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're here to glorify him, aren't we? And to lift him up so that you will be drawn to him. And as you're drawn to Jesus, you will experience his power and his life. But most importantly, his anointing. Jesus the Christ, Christ means the anointed one. And where the anointing of God is, where the presence of God is, that's where the power of God is present to save us, to deliver us, to heal us, and to restore us to the image of Christ. And um, I want to speak to you this afternoon about the blessing. The blessing. In Psalm 89... Um, It's a long psalm, and I can't read all this psalm, but just a few verses, and it says in Psalm 89, 26, He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him firstborn. That is a big word, firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. The firstborn, that is a very important statement. Because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn of a new creation, a new generation. And the firstborn is going to bring in a new day, a new dominion. And Jesus said when he came, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when you receive Jesus and his power and his anointing, you're receiving a new dominion. It's a new kingdom, a new creation. And one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And he's going to be the center. He's going to be the light. He's going to be everything there is. Jesus Christ is the sum of it all. He is the sun and bonham, as they say. He is, Jesus, in the, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, is the beatific vision, the new man. And everybody that comes into Christ becomes a new person. There are two people in Scripture, and we've mentioned them before in some of these seminars. One is Nicodemus, and the other is the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. 
One of them is in high position, educated, an erudite man, a man of position. We say like a bishop or an archbishop. But the other one is a woman of the world. Five husbands, living with somebody else who isn't a husband. But whether you're highly educated and whether you're in a high position or whether you might be looked down on society. So when you go to get water, it's not when everybody else goes. It's at noon, in the heat of the day, when nobody else is there. But we've all got one need. We need a saviour. We need somebody to deliver us from the power of sin and death and translate us into the kingdom and power of Christ's kingdom, eternal life. Every one of you in Christ Jesus can have eternal life. Because when you accept Jesus and accept him as your Savior and your Lord, you step out of death into life. The greatest definition of a Christian is is a person who possesses eternal life. We're going to live forever. Isn't it wonderful? We're gonna, when, we go to, when we die in the grave, we're just going to be asleep. We're going to be with the Lord. And he's going to come with ten thousands of his saints. I'm getting old, but I'm getting younger because I've got eternal life. I've got something working in me, <laughs> which is the power of God, which is the anointing of God. And you know, in Genesis 2, when God created man, On the seventh day, it says, he rested. And on that seventh day, he blessed it. (laughs) And he sanctified it. Do you know, there's a tremendous thing about the blessing. And the trouble is, you have to realize this solemn question is, it's the curse or the blessing. Which are you going to choose? Jesus on the cross was made to be a curse to give you the blessing. But how many people, when Nicodemus was confronted with the statement, you must be born again, he didn't understand it. And when you and I, man, in his sin... He doesn't know he's in sin and death. He thinks his life is in the bottle, in the gin, in the alcohol, in his pleasures, in his sin, in his, whatever the sin is. And he thinks, this is my life, but it's in sin and death. But Jesus comes to give you life, <laughs> eternal life, Amen. abundant life. He wants you to enjoy his presence. And we in the glory way, we believe in enjoying the presence of God. We do not believe in solemn services. We believe in rejoicing. We believe the scripture which says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you know what the gospel means? Joyful news. (laughs) It means joyful news. We're supposed to rejoice. And that's what the Psalms are all about. See this here. This statement. This statement here. 
I will also make him, in italics, the translation, the author is my firstborn. Would you know that Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation? And there's something very important about the blessing. You know, when God called Abraham in Genesis 12, and this is what he said to him in verse 2, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. (laughs) You see, if you're a Christian, and you're a believer, you have to know that you are blessed. (laughs) You might have a lot of problems here tonight, this afternoon, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what your need is, if you have a need. We all have a need, in a sense. Oh, my glasses are falling to bits. <laughs> um, we all have a need, in a sense. We need Jesus every day. Jesus said, when you pray, you need, Jesus said, daily bread. Don't you? Well, we need natural bread, but we need spiritual bread. We need spiritual bread to feed us. And, you know, I, I'm coming to see... I've been a Christian all my life. I've had my ups and my downs, my questions, my big questions. I've asked God about this and that and the other. But God has been very faithful to me. He seems to answer every question. Sometimes it's a book. (laughs) I'll pick up a book, and this book will answer the question I got about the Word of God. Or it might be a speaker that I hear. And you might be sitting here thinking, I've got a lot of questions. I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. But you know, we've got a person who's called the Holy Spirit. And he can help you. (laughs) He's called your helper. He's called your advocate. He's called your standby. He's called your comforter. And it's wonderful. Do you know in the Old Testament they anointed kings? But Joel prophesied. He said, there's going to come a day when I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. There were three great feasts in the Old Testament. One was Passover. One was Pentecost. And one was Tabernacles. And we've got three great doctrines in the church. It's justification, sanctification, and glorification. And God wants you to grasp hold of these truths so that when you walk about, you don't, you don't know, you say, who am I? Well, you've got to know who you are. You've got to grasp. You know, Nicodemus came by night because he was frightened of the authorities. But you notice... When they, when they embalmed the body of Jesus, Nicodemus was there. <laughs> he heard the truth, but when he heard it, he didn't understand it. But it began to sink in. And suddenly, he was there, realizing that this man was not just a carpenter from Nazareth, 
but he was the Messiah. He was anointed. He carried the blessing. Jesus, wherever he went, he blessed people. He healed them. He fed them. He, he provided every need. He just, he just went around blessing people. The great I am. Well, you know, if you go back to Genesis, we find out that God created a man and a woman, Adam and Eve. He put them in paradise. It was perfect. Milton said it was perfect. There wasn't even any rain. It was just dew came on the ground. No storms, no tsunamis, no hurricanes. It was perfect environment. And God gave him, and this place, the seventh day, blessed. He put him into the blessing. He put him into rest. It was perfect. But he had one requirement. He wasn't to eat of that tree. He disobeyed God. He fell. And so in Genesis 3.15, God gives a promise to Adam. And he says, I'm going to give you a seed from the woman that's going to crush the serpent's head. And it will bruise his heel. A seed. That seed is Christ. That seed was the saviour. That seed was the person who was going to come and reverse the curse that had fallen on Adam. He lost his glory. He had to be clothed with skins. He lost his access. He lost his rest. He was under a curse. His eldest son killed the younger son. And God looked for a new seed that would call upon him, Seth. And ten generations later, God called a man called Noah. He found favor with God. Why did he find favor? Because he believed that promise. And he did what God told him, and he saved his house. And ten generations later came another man, Abraham. And he believed that promise. And he said, I can have this seed, and it will save the world. And, he, and it took him 25 years and eventually he had Isaac, which means laughter. He had this seed, and 15 years later, he took him up the mount, Zion, because God told him to sacrifice him. And Abraham actually thought, if I could sacrifice my son, it would crush the serpent's head. It would reverse the curse and bring back the blessing. But God said from heaven, I will provide a lamb, a ram for the sacrifice, and that ram is Christ. He is the Lamb of God. He suffered for you and for me and broke the power of sin and death and gave us eternal life. I've got eternal life because the one paid the price, the ransom price for my sin and broke the powers of sin and death and released me. Release me from the curse. What a wonderful person Jesus is. Think about it. As we said in the last seminar, when he was at the Cana of Galilee and he said to Mary, my hour is not yet come, but it was coming. 
the cross was coming. And he went all the way to the cross. And when he prayed in the garden, he says, if it's possible, can this cup pass from me? But it wasn't possible. He had to pay the penalty for Adam's sin, for your sin, for my sin. And he took it, mine iniquities. He was delivered up for my offenses, Paul said. But he was raised for my justification. Your Christian faith is more than forgiveness of sins. It's justification. It's vindication for the sin of Adam. He paid the price and all us that were in Adam. And the question is, where are you today? Are you in Adam? Or are you in Christ? You need to be born again to get in there. <laughs> you need to have a right birth. You need to have a birth right. <laughs> you know, the founder of this glory movement used to say this when he used to take meetings around the country. He used to say, some people need to be born again, again. They need to be quickened. The great preacher Boston, Thomas Boston, the Scottish preacher said, in a church you can have the unregenerate, you can have the seekers, and you can have the regenerate. And God, the purpose of the gospel is to bring you out of death into life, to reverse the curse and give you the blessing so that you can say like Paul in Ephesians, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Where? In heavenly places. Who were? In Christ Jesus. Jesus wants you to have the blessing. But there's somebody who wants to rob you of it. Unfortunately, there's an enemy. And he's called Satan. Satan is the same person that deceived Adam and Eve. And if you let him, he'll deceive you. But Jesus says, don't fear, I have overcome that wicked one. He says in the Gospels, I saw him fall. The blood of Jesus and your testimony in in Revelation 12 says you overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So the Christian faith is in fact the great confession. Why do churches get people to confess? Why? Because you have to confess it. Because Paul says in Romans, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And that's what we've got to do. We have to take our daily bread from this Word of God. This Word of God is not just history. (laughs) This Word of God is quick and powerful, Paul said. And when we believe it in our heart and speak it out of our mouth, it delivers us. It reverses the curse. It takes away and, and blesses us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the gospel contains the whole of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
We need the blessing. We need the anointing on your life. You need to have a Pentecost. You need to have that infilling. Paul says in, in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine in this cess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody unto the Lord. Now, there's a person in Scripture I want to show you that had the birthright, but he lost it. Very sobering thought. You many people I've seen have had the birthright, but they lost it. Why? Let's look at this person. His name is Esau. If I've got any glasses left, I'll read it. I'll have to get some more glasses. I think I've got some in here. <laughs> ah, yeah. As you study the Word of God, you'll find that there's always two seeds. There's the Cain. And there's the Abel. There's the Jacob and the Esau. And you find that there always is a challenge. The gospel comes with a challenge. You have to believe it and confess it because there's an enemy who wants to take it away from you. In Genesis 26, I think it is, if we just look at it a moment, you find there this statement, in 25 rather, in 29, 25, Jacob sawed pottage and Esau came from the field and Esau was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray, with the said pottage, for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom. And Jacob said to Esau, Sell me this day thy birthright. Esau had the birthright. But this is what he said. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do for me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore to him. And Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage. He did eat and drink. And he rose up his way. And this is what the scripture says it says, Esau despised his birthright. I don't think for one minute that Esau thought that he'd sold it. He didn't mean what he was saying. But this is a solemn lesson to us. What you say in front of God is very important. You better be careful. If you call yourself a Christian and you don't value 
what I'm calling today to tell you is your birthright. Don't despise. Don't trample underfoot the blood of Christ. The blood was shed for you. The body was broken for you. And when we have the communion, it's blessed. Are you discerning the Lord's body? Do you believe that you're part of the body of Christ? And when you come to the communion, Paul says, if you don't discern the Lord's body, many are weak, many are sickly, and many even sleep, he said. Otherwise, they died. Think about it. God gave his son for you and me. That is the greatest thing in the whole world. Jesus is the express image of God in the flesh. He was manifest. He is the creator of all things. But the world doesn't believe in Jesus. The world is being blinded by Satan to look at everything else instead of looking at Jesus. But if you can see Jesus and see him in his glory, everything will change. You know Mark's gospel, it says about, Mark is telling you at the beginning of his gospel about who Jesus is. And then he, in the ninth chapter, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he takes them up a mountain. And on the top of this mountain, this man born in Nazareth, a carpenter's son, whom they've been looking for the Messiah, and they, they believed he was the Messiah, and they were his disciples. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John got a completely new revelation about who Jesus was. His whole form changed. It glistened. It was brilliant. It was light. It was the glory of God manifest of the Trinity in Christ to them. And they trembled. And Peter didn't know what to say. He said, make three tabernacles. They were getting a vision and understanding about who Jesus really was. We want to get an understanding about who Jesus really is. And don't be Esau. And despise your birthright. It's very sad that I've seen people in churches I've been in. They've been called to serve God. They've been given a birthright. But for some money or career or woman or pleasure, they've sold their birthright. And do you know what it says about Esau? He sought it with many tears in Hebrews 4. But he never found repentance. He lost the blessing. This, this blessing that we have through Christ is the greatest thing in the world. It will take you 
from earth to eternity. It will take you right through to the glory. Why? Because when we read, in, when we read this in Galatians 3, this is what Paul says about the, to the Galatian church. He says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse, in verse 13, of the law, being made a curse for us. He was made a curse for us. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. For what reason? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we, what, might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus had to be glorified before he could send the Holy Ghost. What do we need in the church? We need the presence of God. We need the blessing. We need the promise. This here is received the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. The greatest gift that you can ever have is the gift of salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the greatest gift you've got. You can have everything. You can't take nothing with you, but you can take your salvation and you can take your presence of God and take right into the presence of God and right into eternity. Will you value your birthright. I tell you, it's a big, big thing, this. I wrote this down in my notes, and this is what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me. The birthright gives you the right to possess the blessing. The birthright gives you the right to possess the blessing. And this is what Jacob understood. That's why he asked Esau, sell me your birthright. And of course, Esau didn't mean it. But if you read on in the story, and many of you might know the story of Esau and Jacob, and Isaac. What happened? Isaac was now getting old. He's lost his sight. There weren't any hospitals in those days for cataract operations. There weren't any opticians. So if you were going a bit blind, you went blind unless God intervened. But I believe this, that God did not intervene for Isaac because he refused to believe the word that God gave to his wife, Rebecca, when she was pregnant with these two boys. And this is the statement God gave to Rebecca. The elder shall serve the younger. What does that mean? That means the younger will have the birthright. 
you in Christ, when you become a child of God, when you get quickened, when you get regenerated, when you get born into the kingdom, can you get into a family without being born in it? Yes, the only other way is adoption. And even that, God will adopt you. <laughs> you know, what? one great Welsh revivalist, just a nominal preacher, was walking over Kada Idris one day, and suddenly the Holy Ghost fell on him, and the word of God to him is, I've given you the spirit of adoption, where you cry, Abba, Father. I've got a Father. Heavenly Father. What does he teach us to pray? Our Father. It's Jesus that teaches us to pray our Father. Nobody else. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Isaac, gone blind. He couldn't see who he was. And now Isaac had said to Esau, you go, son, get me some nice venison and cook me a meal, and I'm going to put the blessing on you. And Rebecca said, oh, no. He's going to put the blessing on that playboy. And Rebecca worked very fast. She got some goats there, put it on his, Jacob's neck, on his arms. Got, got Esau's clothes that smelled of everything. Didn't have any washing machines then. They just stunk, you know, of the field. Put them on him. Got the venison cooked. Stuffed him in before Isaac, before his dear brother Esau. Esau came home and uh, Isaac said, you, you are Esau, are you? And Jacob said, oh yeah, I'm Esau. But it doesn't sound like Esau. It sounds like Jacob. Come near me, let me feel your... And he felt in all the hairy arms, the goat skin. He felt the neck. It all felt good, you know. Come here closer. Let me smell your clothes so you smell like Esau. And anyway, Isaac was deceived. Well, he was already deceived because he was deceived to think that Esau could have the blessing. What do we think talking about here? We're talking about a seed being carried on, and in that seed, Christ would come as our Redeemer and our Savior. Do you think the seed could be carried by a man like Esau? Never. He despised his birthright. He went with women. He was a proliferate, profane man, the Scripture says. Either he's not a godly inch in him, but because he looked good. He looked good. Isaac remembered him when he had eyesight, and he looked good. Like Saul looked good. Head and shoulders above the people, but Saul turned out to be a disaster as a king. It's not what you look like, it's what's in here. What's in your heart? God does not look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart. You say to me, well, God foreordained that. God elected that. Well, read, read Romans 9. 
Put that in your pipe. Oh, you don't need to have pipes, but if you could, you could put that in your pipe and smoke it. Romans 9. Or put that in your soup and digest that. Takes some digesting, doesn't it? But it's true. God is always right. He's always just. He's always upright. (laughs) And we find that he blessed Jacob. And he really blessed him, didn't he? And shortly afterwards, Jacob had gone out, in comes Esau with his stuff and his venison. And his father said, well, who have I just blessed? And it says that Esau wept. He wept. Do you know he didn't mean it when he said it to Jacob all those years before? And this is his statement to his father. Jacob has stolen my birthright. Yeah. I tell you, it's a big thing. Do you value your birthright? Do you value your church, your minister? Do you value coming together to worship God? Do you pray for the saints? Do you read the Word? Do you study the Word? Do you meditate the Word? Or is everything else more important, like Esau? What is important in your life? Is it hunting and the field, like Esau? and his women, and all the rest of it, and his pleasures? Or is it his people, his worship, his church? I tell you, it's a challenge for us. We have many strange doctrines in the church today that think you can treat God anyhow and get away with it. You don't. God is not mocked. Esau, by his words, by his behavior, by his conduct, he lost the best thing. He lost the inheritance. He lost it. And it was given to a younger brother. And he came in on the blessing. That blessing is Christ. That blessing is the seed of promise. That blessing brings to you everything that his God's got for you, eternal life. Can you get eternal life in Asda? No. Can you get it in Tesco? No. And not even in Littles. No. No. You know, when you get the blessing, you better value it. You better honor it. You better make sure you make, as Paul said, your calling an election sure. So much so for the doctrines we hear in the church today, God is not mocked. You can't get away with it. Saul thought he could get away with it. 
but he lost the anointing. And that evil spirit troubles all. And he died on, and he killed himself on Mount Gilboa. What a tragedy to lose the blessing. Esau despised, it says, the scripture says, he despised his birthright. Well, are you going to value your birthright? Do you believe that God has chosen you? Because if you believe that God has chosen you and he's forgiven you of your sins and more importantly, has he justified you? Has he declared you as righteous with Christ's righteousness? And is Christ working in your life to sanctify you from all this in this world? Is he separating you unto him so that you're a holy vessel set apart to God? You don't meddle with this stuff. Oh yeah, Jacob was a plain man and Esau was a flamboyant man. He was a man's man but he was ungodly. The word of God says he was profane. God sees your heart. God sees my heart. And what is the condition of your heart? What was it about David that he was chosen above all his elder brothers? He had a heart for God. He'd slain the bear. He was waiting on God on those hills. He was walking around believing for the salvation of Israel from its enemies. And when God looked down from heaven, he looked upon David and he said, there is a man after God's own heart. I'm going to anoint him. And God is looking for people in the church whose heart is perfect towards him so that he can anoint you. And you know, Jacob, and after that had happened, and Esau cried with bitter tears. It says in the scripture, if you read it for sake of time, I won't read all these scriptures. He called Jacob in again. And this is the statement that comes on him. You will have the blessing of Abraham. Do you know, Abraham is the first man that actually believed the promise which is in, in Genesis. And that is the pro-evangel for the church that I'm going to give you a seed, Christ, who's going to crush the serpent's head, Satan. And if you can have Christ in your life, it will crush the serpent's head. You will rise triumphant over all your enemies. Look, Jacob was a difficult man. It took another, how many, 20 years to get the Jacob out of Jacob until one day he limped. But his name was no longer supplanter. His name was Israel, prince with God. Do you know that God wants to give you his Holy Spirit that you might live like, be a prince unto God? It's not by might, 
It's not by power. Prophet Zechariah promised me, it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. What was Jesus? He was anointed. He was the anointed one. And everywhere he went, they couldn't take him. Every time they tried to take Jesus, he just walked through them. Why? Because he was anointed with power. He was the Christ, the anointed one. But there came a time when he was willing to give himself for you and me and lay down his life and become the last Adam to take Adam's sin and all of our sin. And it was laid upon Jesus and he broke the curse to give us the blessing. See, if you don't value what you have in Christ, like Esau, you will lose it. He didn't value it. What do you value? Is it your holidays? Your money? Your career? Your Mercedes? Or is it Christ? If you have the blessing, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. He is the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. That's what I need. That's what you need. But do you value it? Are you going to be an Esau? Are you going to be a Jacob? God overlooked Jacob's craftiness because he sought the blessing. He valued the blessing. He said, I'm not going to let it go from me. I'm going to be blessed. The number one person in your life must be Jesus. He must not only be your Savior, he must be your Lord. He must be. He must be your Lord. Do you know, it's very important how we walk as Christians. You cannot, despite the person of the Holy Spirit, you must not grieve the person of the Holy Spirit. You better be careful. He'll leave you and he won't know he's left. And you'll be left to your own devices, unprotected. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the person of the Holy Spirit on the church. We must seek him. What is Pentecost all about? It's all about receiving the Holy Spirit and living in the Holy Spirit. The church cannot function. It can function, but not successfully without the Holy Spirit. We need the blessing on your life. And the blessing now was on Jacob's life. Wasn't it? He was blessed. And he was sandwiched between, for 20 years, between two lovely brothers. Beautiful brothers. One was Esau. And the other one, his dear father-in-law, called Laban. Oh, they were a lovely pair, those two. 
Laban was the biggest trickster you could come across. He could twist in a think. You could see Laban behind a corkscrew. You were so twisted. And Jacob, if he could have got his hands on, do you know, if you got the blessing on your life, like Jacob had, he would deal with your Labans. <laughs> and he would deal with your dear brother Esau. I've seen some dear brothers in the church. I've seen some Esau's. Not everybody that sits in the pew is quite right. As the great Thomas Boston said, there's the unregenerate, there's the seekers, and there's the regenerate. But are you the regenerate? Are you just a seeker? Have you actually found Christ? Have you actually been engaged with Christ and been born from above? Has there been a change in your heart? Or is it just head knowledge? And you know, when Jacob was running from Laban and Laban was chasing him with her, and he said, when I get him, I'm going to kill Jacob and recover my daughters. My daughters. They weren't. They were Jacob's wives. Yeah, that's Laban. My daughters. But he was on his way and suddenly heaven opened. And a very stern voice said from heaven, You touch Jacob, Laban, and you're a dead man. Do you know when you got the blessing <laughs> and you're following Christ, <laughs> God's got a way of stopping Laban. And, and there he was. There he was, the Jab- Jabbok. He was wrestling with God. Jacob was a very smart bloke. He was very intelligent. He was a cool cookie, you know, you were a nice man. But he needed God to sort this one out. You can't sort Esau out on your own. (laughs) And when Esau met him, and of course God touched Jacob, he put his his, uh, thigh out of joint. He limped for the rest of his life. Because God was reminding him, Jacob, you can't make it without me. (laughs) You've got to have me in your life. And every time he limped, God said to him, there you are. There was no any to have his joint put back in. He limped for the rest of his life. But he got his name changed. And you can have a name change. You can become Israel. You can be converted. Do you know that? You can have a conversion. So you just haven't got religion. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, 
You've got to be born again. I need, we all need to be born again. <laughs> How can you get into a family unless you're born in it? Unless you're adopted. And if you want to get in the family of God, you're going to have to be born. And adopted. And that's what happened to me. A Christian grandson who didn't have any thought really for the church. All I thought about was golf and cricket and tennis and going out at night. And one day I went to one of these glory meetings and I got arrested. (laughs) Something happened to me. (laughs) I can't explain it, it just came down on me. I got born again. I got quickened. Religion will stiffen you, but Jesus will quicken you. I was religious, very religious. I knew quite a lot about the Bible. My grandmother had been in the Indian revival. My grandmother was brought up in British India for 45 years before she came to England. She never settled down. But she was in when the Brahmin widows in India, when the power of God descended on them, as it descended on the reverend body in Sunderland. And she got born again. The 11th girl in a big family of 13 girls. 13, you know, 11 girls and two boys. And she got quickened. And everywhere she went, she would tell people about Jesus, much the annoyance of all her relatives. But you see, what happened to Jacob? He had a complete conversion. He was no longer Jacob. He was now Israel. <laughs> we all need a conversion (laughs) we all need to be changed and have a new name we used to sing this song in the glory meetings years ago we shall have a new name up in heaven have a new name I just remember going to these meetings and there was a lot of Jamaicans there and these Jamaicans used to dance And there were other people there, and they dance. We don't see much dancing in church, but they danced. And I tell you what, the power of God came on them. (laughs) And the power of God came on me, and I got converted. I got born again. All my religion went out the window. And I suddenly walked into a new life where Jacob got changed. And when he got changed, Laban got silenced. (laughs) And so did Esau. And I tell you what, you can have a change. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must 
be born again. And Nicodemus was really puzzled. He said, have I got to enter a second time my mother's womb? He didn't know what Jesus was talking about. But you know what the old revivalists called it? Regeneration. The church needs regeneration. It needs a power of God to lift us and to regenerate us to a new level, a spiritual level. So when we come together, it's not, oh no, no oh no, me and all my problems. And they're talking about me, myself, and I. You're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And you know, I came into one of these meetings. I didn't want to go. I was dragged there. I was dragged to one of these, these Henry's meetings. I remember sitting there and looking at all these people. I thought, what on earth is going on here? What is all this? And then this little man at the front said, that bloke down there, come up here. They looked behind me. I thought, uh, what was he looking at? No, you that's looking around, you, that, that tall bloke down there, you come up here. I thought, I'm not going up there. I thought, I'm going out the back door now. I thought. But I went up there, and this little man, Henry, prayed for me, and something hit me. The power of God. What we need is the power of God. That's what hit it. That's hit Jacob. The power of God touched him. He touched his hip and put it out of joint. He limped. Well, it's better to limp and have the power of God on your life and to get your name changed and to have the blessing of God upon your life. The blessing of the Lord maketh what? Rich. Rich. And it addeth no sorrow. (laughs) There's no sorrow (laughs) in God's house. There's joy. There's peace. It's wonderful. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be blessed? Or do you just want to go through life having a good moan and groan about everything? (laughs) Oh, I tell you, what a change when the Holy Ghost comes. Were those disciples the same people after Pentecost? They were changed. They were hiding before Pentecost. But after Pentecost, they were bold. What does the Holy Spirit do for you? It changes you. It fills you. It invigorates you. It anoints you so that you've got power. You've got an anointing in your life that comes flowing out of you. It's salvation you get a well. But at Pentecost, you get a river. It comes from the throne. We need the rivers of living water to flow into the church and out into the community. That's what we need. We need rivers of living water. And those apostles that were hiding were now bold. They were strong. Why? Because they were anointed. 
I haven't really got this message quite right this afternoon. I haven't got actually gone the way of all my notes, but it's still going. And you know the Holy Spirit wants to change your life. He wants to fill your life. He wants to anoint you so that you have this experiential knowledge that Christ is in you, the hope of glory, that nothing that comes against you can phase you. You'll be an overcomer. And you'll say, like Revelation 12 says, I overcome. How? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. We have to learn to feed upon Christ. What is the communion all about? It's helping us with a material thing to remind us that we must feed on the Lamb. What is the Passover? What is the cross all about? So that we partake of Christ. So when we come together, we can have life. This life comes into us. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Are you experiencing this life? Are you experiencing the river of God? Or is it your life just a dry river bed? Have you just got religion? Or have you got Jesus? Do you know what Jesus Christ means? The anointed one. Pentecost came to anoint you and to bless you and to empower you. And that's what happened to Jacob. He suddenly got changed. He became Israel. And in that seed, all the nations, as he promised to Abraham, shall be blessed. And in that sea came Christ. And when you get born of God, you are now in that seed, a new creation. If any man be in Christ, Paul said, he is a new creation. And there's coming a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness and is coming. Are you ready? Have you had a change? What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? You must be born again. And he said, must I enter the second time my mother's womb? No, we're talking about a spiritual birth. We're talking about a new creation. What a wonderful thing Christ has done. He not only died on the cross, and he was buried, but on the third day he rose again. And when he appeared to Mary, and she was in there, in the garden, and she said, what have they done with the Lord? Where have they taken the body? There's a lot of people in the church looking for Jesus' body. This guy, no, he's alive. He's alive. And suddenly he said to her, Mary. She said, Rabona. Oh, Jesus, he's alive. When he gets born again, Jesus becomes alive. Suddenly you're quickened. Suddenly you're made alive. And you can reach up 
is say, Jesus, 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 thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do you ever touch my life? I've been kept by the power of God since I was 18. I've had my ups. I've had my downs. I've had my ins and my doubts. I've had all sorts of things I've been through. But I'm still here. (laughs) By the grace of God. It's miraculous. I thought I was dying twice, but I'm still here. You hath he quickened who were once dead in trespasses and sins. Not you hath he stiffened, but you hath he quickened. And when the Holy Ghost comes into your life, Jesus said, you must be quickened. You must be born again to enter that kingdom. And Jacob got changed. His name was Israel. What does that mean? Prince with God. Power with God. Pentecost has come. You can receive it. And those disciples, instead of hiding from the authorities, they were out on the streets proclaiming the good news. And so we believe that this is a day of renewal. A day, as our friends say in my home village, (laughs) the Church of England Church has got five or six hundred people in it. The day of new wine, a day of renewal, a day when the anointing is coming back on the church and people are not being stiffened, they're being quickened. They've been made alive. And suddenly, it's not a drudgery to go to the house of God. I'll put up with this for an hour and I get home and I'll watch Coronation Street or something. I'll put up with this. No, it's a delight. It's a delight to be in the presence of God. Where the presence of God is there is wonderful. It's tremendous. It's power. It's healing. It's restoration. There's a river flowing. It's a river of life. And it's flowing. Hallelujah. What did Jesus say? Out of your what? Innermost being shall flow rivers. Of what? living water. The church is supposed to have rivers flowing out of it. And people can get in it and they get healed. They get born again. They get restored. They get quickened. And they're made alive. And they become children of God. Isn't it wonderful? Apostle John said, What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Oh, what manner of love that we should be called the children of God. Are you a child of God today? Or are you on the outside looking in? Does this all seem a bit strange to you? Like Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night. Do you know, it's extraordinary that you can be such a highly educated and religious person, but you've never been quickened. It's all up here, and there's nothing in here. Something's got to change. Where the Spirit of God is moving, 
there is liberty, there is power, there is quickening, and people get born. Peter was hiding before the cross, denying Christ, but after Pentecost he was bold. He was bold. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God. We need the church to say, let us be filled with the Spirit. Let us speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody unto our hearts by the Lord. Keep filled. Isn't it wonderful? This is abundant life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Why settle for less? Why have bread and water when you can have oil and milk and grapes and all the good things of the kingdom? This is the day of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is saying, Come unto me, all ye weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What was the seventh day in creation? It was a day of rest. And it says, God blessed the seventh day, and God sanctified the seventh day. And the book of Hebrews says, Enter into this rest. Christ has accomplished it all. He's finished the work. In his high priestly prayer in John 17, before the cross, he said, I have finished the work on earth. But on the cross, when he became the Lamb of God, he took your sin and my sin, he cried, it is finished, and it is. Will you enter in? Will you believe on this person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and make him your saviour and Lord, and your life will completely change. You'll pass from darkness into light. Suddenly heaven will open. What happened on the Mount of Transfiguration when Peter, James, and John went up there? Mark is telling you in Mark 9. He's explaining to you who Jesus is. But then from Mark 9 on, after those three had been up the mount, they saw this person change. They saw the glory of Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you see Christ in all his glory. We love him because he first loved us. Do you love the Lord? Or do you love your pleasures? What do you love? When you meet Jesus and you get quickened and you get lifted and you get changed, everything looks different. I came back from that meeting, 80, and I thought I was floating on air. I thought, what has happened to me? 
tremendous thing when God comes into your life, when the Holy Spirit fills your life, everything changes. Paul was a changed man. He was no longer Saul. He became Paul. One encounter with Jesus. One encounter with Jesus would change your whole life. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for giving your unspeakable gift that we can receive a new birth, a new start, a new beginning, that we no longer be called Jacob, but we will be called Israel. We will know the presence and the power of God in our lives. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, and fill my life. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill me and reveal to me what Jesus has done in his death and his passion and his wounds and his embalmment in his burial in his erection in his resurrection in his ascension and his glorification. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. We say, come, Holy Spirit, and touch your people. Touch them now, Lord. Quicken them now, Lord. Heal them now, Lord, by the power of God. And if they call out to you now, Lord, may they be transformed. May they be reborn. May they be quickened and pass from death into life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that this is the day of the gospel. This is the day of the good news that we can receive eternal life, everlasting life, that we can pass from death into life. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, for your power. We say, come, Holy Spirit, and do your work. Touch these people. Quicken them and touch them and redeem them and heal them that they will enter into your kingdom. Jesus said to the one thief, today you will be with me in paradise. You can pass from death into life. I have come that you might have life, Jesus said, and have it more abundantly. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your gospel. We thank you, Lord, for the good news that comes to us 
to save us, to deliver us, and to heal us, that we be transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear Son. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for coming here this afternoon. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, Lord, to help us, to heal us, to bless us. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace, wholeness. Jesus wants to make you whole. He wants to give you his peace. He wants to give you his life. Give him your life to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you.